0: You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world, with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at Remax Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at Remax Advantage Plus.
1: Welcome, my little chitlins.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be your chitlin. Whatever that is,
1: I'm not sure, but it has something to do with astrology.
0: Well, you look yeah. like you look like a wizard, Andy.
1: Uh, thank you very much. You nice. look smarter too. Wait, I reflect my screen. Sorry,
0: I had to do a quick uh, change of computers. My other oh. one started updating just in the middle of us talking before.
2: Yeah. Okay. Hey, so we got a new theme for this week. I think it's a beautiful background. Thank you. I think it's fun to to add a little excitement to these uh, real estate shows. So it's not the same old, same old. And uh, this week we're doing astrology. We're going to predict the future markets and it is actually Scorpio season. It's the month of the Scorpio. So here's what uh, that means. Scorpios are passionate and intense, secretive and obscure Intuitive and psychic, power hungry, and then conspiracy and intrigue. So we're kind of going to base the show off uh, these traits of uh, Scorpio. Wow. Start it off though. Let's uh, let's get into what is Uh, happening.
1: What months do you have to be born to be a Scorpio?
2: It's this. It's uh, the end of uh, October. No, no, no. It's right now to the middle of December because Chris is a Virgo, and now this is Scorpio season. Nice. What are you, Andy?
1: Um, I'm ai uh, believe a Pisces, a fish thing. <laughs> okay.
0: You're you're into it. I know that for sure.
1: Big big time. I'm
2: huge into it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> hey, this means uh I, I'm a Cancer, so that means me and um uh, Andy are really bonding. Uh, cancer and Pisces are are great friends. So, Woo! finally, so before we for predict for the Andy. future before we predict the future, what, what all is happening currently? Well, Andrew,
0: I've been, uh,
1: I've been experiencing, you know, what I've seen is your typical, very normal, in my opinion, fall where I've seen things kind of calm down a little bit. Everybody's getting ready for the holidays. Um, Kids are settling in, um, you know, for school or back in school and doing their thing. Um, And it's, It's just generally kind of a fall, a little slower of a fall market right now.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because all of a sudden now I'm starting to to get a surge again. We had, uh, I felt it was a little slow over, gosh, what what are we in now? Middle of November, kind of at the end of October into this November time period. But all of a sudden I'm getting a lot of calls. But now I got to temper that and say that a lot of these people are gonna go till next spring. And that's what we start experiencing right now, is we start finding people that are are thinking about next year and they're calling us now. So we're doing a lot of work on that, but I'll tell you, it's still a good time um, to be able to put your house on the market and get a sale because there's not a ton of inventory. And again, low inventory, low rates, equal typically better pricing and stuff. So um, I thought it was kind of funny the other day too, I was going through a market analysis. End up, it ended up being um, three sellers from different parts of you know the. Uh, well, one was actually in Texas, and the other two are uh, in Minnesota, but uh, dealing with their their mother's house. And we're going through it. and Everything was live, and I'm doing it on on this and going through it. They go one of the questions is that you ask a realtor is like, well, how many active listings do you have right now? And I'm like. Because this market's kind of a moving thing, and I'm like, "That's a good question." So I went to the MLS, and you can pull up and, and kind of hit my listings. And all of a sudden, it pulls up, and it's one. And I'm like, "One listing?" I'm like, I was just kind of like, because I'm usually, I mean, obviously pre-COVID, I'd always have ten to twenty listings all uh, active at all the time, and just kind of moving through the course, but. Now they sell so quick and we're actually selling more now than we were before, but it's like there's nothing that stays on that long. And so it's a fast moving market still.
1: You should, depending on your volume, um, you know, depending on the volume of what you have throughout a year, you know, 30, 40, 50 houses a year, you know, you're only gonna have three or four listings at max at a time, it, you know, if it's spread out accordingly. Um, you know, like a guy like myself where I've got some new construction going on, um, we'll we'll carry more listings. Um, but what also happens is that they're new construction listings, so they lay kind of stagnant and and actually aren't as exciting as like when you list a brand new house. Like I did, I just did one in Blaine last week where we listed and um it started out the first day kind of slow. I'm used to having you know 30, 40 showings, and we only had uh nine. And I but I had four offers out of nine. So I ended up in multiples, and the, the seller, of course, wins that game every time. Um, but it, it's definitely different. It, it's not, it's not you know, a hundred and forty and twenty five offers and third, you know, a bunch of cat. It's just kind of more normal people now buying houses again. So, um, kind of getting into predicting the future a little bit here. Uh, prepare to have your mind blown, children. Um, the, uh, the What I'm seeing coming is a what I would call a normal market where you're going to list your house. Um, I think you'll see days on market increase throughout the next year. I think you're going to see houses going 15 to 30 days in the first six months of the year. I, I'm not going to predict much more than that. As rates kind of creep up a little, I think you're going to see appreciation slow down. So, you know, like this year, it was like 12% across the Twin Cities. I don't think you're going to experience that again next year. And, and maybe I'm wrong. I think they're only projecting the only city next year in the U.S. I'd be interested to know if you know this, Chris. What What is your guess? We just had a big REMAX um, get together. We had um, some of the big shots come into town and talk. And there's only one city in the U.S. that they project to have double-digit growth next year. And, and guess what city it is? You're on mute,
2: by the way. Chris? <laughs> Unmute yourself. Oh, sorry about that. Okay, uh, me,
0: it, it wasn't very exciting what I said. I, I'm like, one city. I'm like, that's tough. I mean, I think I could have guessed the state, but I'm going to go with um, Tampa St. Pete. What is y'all,
1: that? Y'all got to think more down.
2: Nexus. Nexus. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Austin, Texas is. They're projecting Austin. to have a a fourteen to sixteen percent increase in values again, and that's because of the influx of corporations that are moving there for the tax shelters. Um, you've got, I mean, just huge companies moving there. Exi- oh. Mass exodus out of California, as they're saying, and almost like a highway to to, to southern Texas. But um, the Twin Cities, we're still seeing everybody, you know, projecting anywhere from two to as high as six percent. And realistically, good. about four, four and a half, which is where you want to be anyway, because that's normal, you know.
0: Yeah, that's no, that's good. That's good. I think, uh, you know, not only obviously for uh, weather situations down there, but um, obviously people are pretty passionate now about different things. So we're moving a lot of people down to uh, Florida, uh, Texas yep. in, in that direction. But a lot of industry is also going there. And uh, so, obviously, good jobs are going there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can pay your employees more and, and uh, you know, if you got your less uh, tax being paid. But, you know, the, the thing is, too, is it's like you look at, like, next year and, I, and you know, they keep projecting inflation to be running right around that 4 to 6% in some cases. So, if you make 4% appreciation, in theory, in a normal inflationary market, you're making nothing. So, you know, that's inflation is the only reason houses are going to continue, um, you know, as rates start to climb because they can't, again, we've said this for two years, we can't keep rates at zero and, you know, or, or on the bottom, as they say, because there's nowhere to go. You need to get that bottom reserve for when we need it, um, get the get the rates up a little bit, get them healthy so the investor market gets involved again, um, take some of the pressure off the government to buy those, you know, mortgage-backed securities, and then also we're going to be in a position of where people want to buy your mortgage because it's a healthy market, it's balanced and they can make a, you know, five, 6% return.
0: Beautiful. Uh, I think Andy's a scorpion myself. He The guy does, he the one thing he really studies the market and he really reads and, and kind of goes deep into that. I'm kind of, uh, I mean, I don't, I kind of use what I, uh, know and what I see and what I feel around here. And he's just got much more of a worldly view, kind of uh, looking at this, which is, it's, I mean, which is against thing.
1: It's my hat. It's the hats oh. I wear. You know, it helps a lot and uh, putting pressure on your skull. Um, no, you know, the other thing is, is when you look at like some of the other companies like Zillow and some of these iBuyer style companies that are making you guaranteed offers and they're retracting a little bit and their offers aren't quite as sexy as they were you know, six months ago, if, 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 and a lot of that is because they're projecting, heading into a market where they can't predict the future. And so they don't know where it's gonna go with this. inflation's throwing a lot of these machines off. So they're, the machine's still running, but it's ticking funny. And they're going, ah, I don't know what's wrong until we can fix this, let's slow down and make sure we don't blow the whole thing up. So a lot of those buyer companies are, are doing just that. They're slowing down. Um,
0: well, it was just like when COVID came, we didn't know what was going to happen. Everyone thought, I mean, we might be done. There might be a never never a house sold again. Right. And you you can't predict a market that you've never been in. And so now it's like coming off of this. And then are we going to go back to that? And then how are people going to react to that? You know, is this inflation, uh, food shortage and ports, uh, you know, ships out in the ocean? Is, is that all real? Or is it not real? Uh, you know, what's going to happen, how much money they're going to put into the economy. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm really feeling people are moving stuff into real estate. You more people yeah. trying to get into land and um, trying to get uh, real estate into their portfolio.
1: Have you, have you guys, either one of you guys done uh, any shopping recently? I suppose, Nick, you're overseas, but
2: like you go. The dollar's only getting stronger in Brazil. I, my, my money is going further here. And I know it's not going further, obviously, in, in America with the inflation.
1: Yeah, but you know, what's crazy is like, so you go to the, a lot of the stores here in the States and you know, like we, we were just shopping, we have this huge client appreciation event we do in December. So we buy, you know, gifts and toolkits and baskets and, you know, all the fun stuff that people want kind of stocking stuffer to give away as prizes. And we, we started shopping this week. Some of the shelves don't have anything They're They're like, and then you ask them, you say, Hey, um, what are you guys getting this back in stock? And they're like, uh, we blew through two pallets. We're done. You know, the, the, comf- Everybody got a kick out of those comfies, you know, those uh, pullover things. And I saw them last week and they were $29. I'll wait a couple days and then I'll go buy, you know, 10 or 15 of them. Cause everybody last year went crazy over those things. And I went back yesterday, they were all gone. So, you know, some of that stuff, you guys, I think we're going to have to adjust to the new world we're in. If you see it and you want to buy it, you better buy it and pay the price they have on it. because they're not buying to have to liquidate stuff anymore. They're buying just enough inventory to keep it coming in their stores. And they don't want to get stuck with a bunch of, you know, liquidation or clearance crap. And they want full, you know, anyway, that's what I'm seeing. And they're, okay. and
2: they're
0: getting away with it. That's the sad part. But go yeah. ahead,
2: Nicholas. Scorpios are very good at like hiding their emotions and being sneaky. How uh when relating to a buyer, how can you hide your cards better to you know win the deal or or, or buy the home? So like negotiations? Yep.
0: Yeah. I mean there is uh I guess to me there's uh <laughs> holding your cards tight to the vest. Exactly. I'm I'm all I'm one of those guys that is always thinking three, four, five steps ahead. And what I do now is is what's going to um, affect me later in the, in the, in the conversation because I think it's a, it's a long-haul game. I think mm-hmm. with people playing the game and, and just going for the kill right away, and, and maybe it's, hey, I'm just going to try to secure this deal and get this deal done. So from a seller standpoint, you have to identify all the things that could hurt you later on. And so and some of those things are st- things that you might throw out there right away to get out of the way, But then there's other ones like an appraisal gap guarantee, okay? So now when we used to have 30 showings, we could get away with that. Now when you have, or 30 offers, now when you have four of them, if you say, hey, I want an appraisal gap, then it's kind of telling them, well, is it really worth it? And then you maybe get that doubting of the buyer versus like, well, we know it's going to appraise, we're not going to ask for that. And if they know that you're selling some stuff, they obviously know you're, um, you're aware of you know, what's happened in the market and what that's doing, but it's like, Hey, we're confident in it. And then that makes them more confident in your house. So there's just different things within um, the transaction that I think, and a a lot of people don't do that. And, and it causes you real problems later on. If you don't,
1: well, you know, and Chris, you and I've talked about this before. So if you're willing to pay 600,000, why does an appraisal make any difference to you? Right? I mean, if you're willing to put 50% cash down, and you were willing, two days ago when you wrote that offer, to get 600000 you were going to pay that. So if the appraisal comes in at four fifty, who cares? You still should perform on that house, buy that house, because you and you know, you your head and your math, you figured six hundred was a good offer. Unless you're completely um, setting that offer up for failure. And, and I believe that happens as well, where people go in strategically, write their offer knowing that the appraisal is going to come back and come in lower. And so these, these buyers agents will come in and they'll offer, you know, the moon. And because they have nothing and they know that they're only gonna be as good as their appraisal. And if they won't sign an appraisal guarantee for you, we as listing agents, I don't get excited about their offer because it's fake. Um, to me, it's like I said, when I did a CMA for that customer before we listed your house and we said it's worth 265 and you got an offer for 350, doesn't matter, it's fake money because it's gonna come in at 265 to 270. You know, you might get away with 275. You know, the appraisers sometimes will stretch it to be a good sport, but they're not going to 350. So you might as well look at the real offers, and and um, that's the way I do it anyway.
0: Yeah, and strong financing, if, you, if you're confident in your price, I mean, obviously, we all price them a little differently, and some push them, you know, price them lower so you can push them higher, um, and then some people just want the place. Well, if they want the place they've gotta be willing to be able to um, come up with a way in which to be able to finance it. If their appraisal doesn't come in with what the market is is saying it is. And I think that's the, that, that's the part that that's educating your buyer. And if you don't educate your buyer from a, a buying standpoint, then you shouldn't be making that offer. But a lot of people go in and say, hey, just we'll just get the deal and then we'll deal with it later. And that doesn't help anyone. It really doesn't. It puts your buyer in a horrible position of not knowing if they're going or, or coming. You're putting that seller in a horrible, horrible position because they're counting on this thing is going to close on here. They've kind of moved on to their next place. And you just, you can't do that. And it'll, it'll catch up with you. It'll, it'll catch up with you. I'm telling you. Right.
1: Well, and, you know, and I think the other last thing, you know, because Nick was really asking about, you know, your Scorpios. And you know how do you keep your, your, your client's emotions in check? And I think part of that is, is setting the proper expectations. So when you're actually going into the negotiations and saying, okay, here's what we're gonna do, and they're involved in the negotiations, and so it doesn't end up with, hey, well then screw you. You, know, you don't like our price, you don't like our terms. I, I don't let the customer get that involved. So I, I also consider myself to be a translator. So I take the emotion out of it and say, well, here's the good news. They liked our offer, they just didn't like our price. So they're coming back, they're asking us for another 10 grand. We come up 10 grand, you win, we get the deal, right? So that is, it's, I think it's also our job as, as a real estate agent, representing, a, a, a like you said, a Scorpio, to uh, spend the time to understand your client and their needs and what's important to them, and then represent them appropriately. Because you'll find that some customers are more attached to something other than another thing. Don't guess, ask, and then you'll, they'll feel represented and you'll have a happy customer that refers you for many years to come.
0: Yeah, and you might not be really into the Scorpion and the Virgo and all this kind of stuff, but there is something to say about it and how uh, those people react to different things that we deal with that every day. Whether they're a Scorpio or a, a Virgo, we understand that, hey, we've got kind of an emotional client here. We need to temper them, kind of put them into this direction and, and control them. Because if we don't, um, it, it turns around kind of like it, it, it hurts us in the end. And the thing is, is that you can, you can get to a closing. And that's what I'm saying is never look at this thing short-sighted. It's beginning to end. Because I'll tell you what, where the best clients are, the best clients are the ones that are happy that are going to refer you later from a real estate standpoint. And, and that only is going to help the consumer if I'm doing the right thing all the time for that person and thinking and thinking that way versus, oh, my gosh, I just got to get this because I got to make my mortgage payment, you know, and this will close by this time. And you know what? You've got to go through that inspection. Oh, it's no big deal. I mean, it's fine. The roof is going to fall down. But, I mean, that's in five years and insurance might cover it. You know, we got to close. <laughs> and it's just like it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah.
2: Okay, the Scorpio is known as being one of the the most sexy uh, astrology signs. They ooze uh, sex appeal. So how can we raise our house's sex appeal? Hopefully you're Andy, you started unbutton your shirt? are you unbuttoning your shirt, Andy? <laughs> uh,
1: let's, uh, let's get sexy in here. Hey. <laughs> Everybody just shut their cameras off. They're like, oh, my God.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> At least we're confident, um, Chris. We're very confident. As as salespeople
0: were, you know, and I think you have to be a little when you're saying that raising your house's sex appeal. I really think that's selling lifestyle. And uh, when you sell lifestyle, which we we try to do all the time, you like yeah. to lead people to that conclusion. And so, you know, a, a sex appeal might be um, dimming switches. You know, it might be a, a fireplace uh, that's that's in the corner. It might be you know, a little, a wine area and you have uh, a little high top table with two chairs and a couple wine glasses there. It might be um, putting a couple uh, cigars out. So I think you're creating like a lifestyle and it leads them to kind of come up to that, what their conclusion of that is. It's not ours. It's kind of like lead them to it. Cause if we say, Hey, boy, it would be so sexy and romantic to be able to have wine sitting at this table that might not be what someone's thinking. Someone might be thinking, gosh, after a long day of work, I can just sit there and relax and it'll be the greatest thing. But then somebody might think it's sex appeal. So I think letting them come up with their own decision of what it is, but us kind of hinting to them uh, maybe the direction they should go.
1: Well, and I think sex appeal is a lot of it's the attitude of the house, right? Like you were saying. So setting the mood, setting the tone, the the sight sounds and smells are important. Or as we used to kind of generically call it merchandising the house, um, you also made some great points with helping to set rooms up for selling um, the the lifestyle that that would provide. And I think that you know even though I'm all for everybody saving energy on these new energy efficient bulbs, I mean when you walk into a master bedroom and you turn on and your fluorescent lights flicker and it's white like a gymnasium in there, and you know you you do have to spend the time, guys and gals. Um, to make that nice. Even if you don't want to live that way, that's fine. Remember you're you're up for sale and you need to make your house, have a little bit of an appeal and people, people won't even know why they're attracted to your house. They'll just say, gosh, it just made me feel so warm and cozy. I just, I want to, I want to live there. I want to, you know, sit on that four season porch and read the book and watch the, the leaves turn colors in the fall and, or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, that is what a lot of times sells homes, is that whatever they can connect with that makes it their home, I think, is the, is the key thing. Making it personalized so that they can actually come in and, and say, man, I would love to blank, fill in the blanks, you know.
0: How about that? I mean, but a little more sex appeal, um, like a tub. It may be putting candles by the tub or, you know, a bubble bath or, or something like that or around yeah. a, a hot tub um to kind of give it that little uh feel as long as i mean we got to do what the scorpions want andy well
1: so funny enough we i in a lot of the bigger new homes we build they have these big walk-in tile showers with multiple heads and whatever and it always always stimulates a weird conversation and no matter if i like it or not that conversation is going to happen and of course the guys will make some wise remark The females will be like, well, you're stupid, and we don't want that. We'll use a small fiberglass shower now, and I'll put in a bigger tub, you know, or whatever. And so I just, I think it's funny where, you know, let the consumer, um, I I think what we're saying is this. The fantasy sometimes is better than the reality, right? Thinking about it, dreaming about it is way Usually always. Always, Right. right? And so I think if you can put that into the perspective of buyers, um, you know, lenses as they're looking at that house that you have won the game and, and get them to get in there, see it, make it feel special, make it feel unique. Even if you're selling like one of these cookie cutter national builder houses where, you know, they built 300 of them in the same city and having that little extra touches like we just talked about can make your house stick out and, and sell quicker.
0: And for Mom- gotta be honest. Gotta be honest. I didn't think we'd be talking about sex appeal today. I thought he was referring to my little goatee.
2: Actually, yeah. It's yeah. strange. Like- scorpios can uh, lure you in and every, you think everything's good, and then they can bite you deadly, like a, a real scorpion. And then also, scorpios are known for making you feel at ease and then turning on you in the last second. How do we avoid scorpions in the industry, whether it be real estate agents, whether it be wholesalers, we buy homes, um, the people on the billboards, how do we avoid those people?
0: <laughs> uh, oh boy, the scorpions in the industry. Um, you know, and unfortunately there is, uh, you know, uh, there, I think there's perceptions of scorpions and I think there's uh, real life uh, scorpions uh, that you deal with. Um, you know, and, and in some way being in it a long time uh, and around it a long time, you, you, ha- you know maybe where to stay away from and how to deal with it or their are um, the way they are they're the kind of their what the word I'm trying to say Andy is that these the characteristics that's it the characteristics of a uh, a scorpion type uh, person and it's it shouts at you loud and clear now I don't know if I want to give away all my little my secrets to find out uh, you know who is a scorpion but um, We definitely have to deal with it that's for sure
1: i uh nick the thing that i've learned over the years is you carry a lot of buckets with you and then when you get that big scary venomous um scorpion come at you figure out a way to protect yourself simply as putting a bucket over it what i mean by that is sometimes it's your contracts sometimes it's preparing yourself ahead of time to put on those thick leather boots sometimes it's knowing when you see something coming or you know you're going into an area where you're going to have a tough negotiation or somebody that has a reputation for being uh, a stinger Um, you know you you definitely want to prepare yourself ahead of time Um, the way you present yourself to that person like for example well you said this mister listing agent and we wrote our offer based on that well I I always say you know presenting your offer based on the facts that are on the MLS and all of our brochures we will will definitely um, you know enforce that for example but We'll sit there and say, you said, or we said, that's where you have to be very careful. So I always follow along. I don't overpromise. I, I actually would be in a situation where in most of those cases, we would present very factual information that can't be twisted. And I know that sounds crazy, but when you're presenting to someone, you know, is a shark, as I call them in the industry, and you know, they're gonna, everything you're saying, they're figuring out a way to twist that, to use that against you with their offers. Um, just don't give them the ammo. And so protect yourself, be very smart, Be limited on what you say. Get them excited. I mean, because remember this, you know, at the end of the day, the consumer ultimately is the one that's in love with the house, not the agent. The agent is the one that they hired to cut the deal, right? Or to negotiate the deal protect them. So, you know, I don't, I just, it's kind of everything you put out there, the marketing that you put out there is going to make people fall in love with it. And regardless if that agent agrees with what's happening, if the consumer really, really, really wants it, they're going to conform to, um, you know, working within your bucket as you flip it over and set it on them.
2: Those were great analogies. I had to play that. Well, Well, I think
0: I have one too. I wanted to be able to kind of throw out here, um, play it off of Andy's thing is typically uh, the, those Scorpion agents are rogue. And what I mean by that is that they're usually not doing uh, what their, the wishes of their client are. They're just trying to get them the best deal, the way they think they know how to get the best deal. And I've, done a lot of times with people like that, once you identify them, is that you take something that more than likely that no way the seller said or the buyer said, and then use that against them in saying that, you know, we just can't do this. They, you know, that really offended uh, the seller and they just don't want to work with this buyer anymore. And so what you do is you're basically telling that agent that what you went out on a limb and said about somebody is the reason now they're not going to get it. And then how do you go back to the buyer and say, oh, well, they're they're mad because I told them that you said they don't know how to clean their house and that they're pigs and they're slobs. And I don't know how anyone can live like that, you know, to try to get the price lower. And they didn't do that and they get in trouble. And then all of a sudden the backtracking happens and they completely switch to a new person. Um, I've had it in, in some instances where they've given up uh, some of their fee just to try to make it work because, uh, you know, what they're doing and what they're trying. And and, and for me, I think that's uh, integrity in this industry, which there's some of that's lacking, uh, not with everyone, but there's, there's some, you know, with people fighting and make, trying to make a living and get a commission, they're doing what they got to do to try to be able to do that. And then at the time that uh, integrity kind of lacks and they've got to pay for that. They have to pay for it because it's very rare that someone goes after them after the fact just doesn't happen because you're moving on to the next deal and you don't, like for me, negativity, I just can't stand negativity. We just move, let's move forward. But then there's some that just like, you know what, I got to do it just so it protects some other people in the future. I
1: I think, I think sometimes that, that, you know, um, I don't say negativity or professionalism is, it's not intentional. It's lack of experience for a lot of people. We're in an industry that cycles people through. I mean, statistically, you become a new real estate agent within a two year window, there's an 85% chance you're gonna fail. So people start getting desperate, start realizing, oh my gosh, real estate is a tough business. What are we gonna to do to keep that you know, business rolling? And, and they may start doing things that are out of norm for them and for this industry, just to keep deals moving. And it just, I don't know, I tell you, it, it's, a, it's not as, it's an easy to get into business, it's a hard to stay in
2: business. Scorpios are really good at handling risk. How do you guys assess risk? How do you help your clients with risk?
0: Risk. Uh, I mean, I think with information, I always tell everyone from a buyer standpoint, I always kind of go into the fact that saying, okay, hey, you're going to end up paying this. And this is going to be maybe your problems later on because most likely I'm gonna be coming back in three to five to seven years and, and telling them, hey, we gotta list this house. And then if I if I said that it's fantastic backing up to that highway because it's really good for commuting to get out to work, you know, and then I come back seven years later and say, you know, we gotta keep your price down because of uh, all the traffic that's behind your property. Can't do that. So identify and say, this is, this is what you're gonna run into. And then understand, they understand what they're getting into and then that's up to them. That's their risk level and what they wanna be. And people justify all the time. I know we've done a couple um, listings where we've kind of compared and you know, why they wouldn't do it, but backing up to a freeway is one of them. Some people you'll get a great house and you'll get it for less price, but you're gonna have to put up with that highway. Now, once you start living in a house, you start forgetting about that stuff because it's kind of natural, but um, that's gonna be a problem for someone else that's gonna come in. So we're gonna have to list it lower when it's your turn.
1: I, I heard a, a great analogy this last week where uh, a speaker was talking and she said, you know, as I, as I flew up here to it's a little too sexy here, uh, as I flew up here, to, said one of the things that is really interesting is when you get on an airplane, setting the proper expectations for you as a client is, is something that they have to do. So they start out the whole experience with welcome aboard. We're glad you're here. In the event that there's a pressure uh, change between the whatever, oxygen mass will fall in front of you. They give you instructions. They show you how to do it. They, they let you know what to do when you're in that situation, if it happens. Also, for over water, we have a water landing, you're going to have a raft. And this is what you're going to do. So when, in, when and if that ever would happen, you, you're not mad. They've been telling you this for years that these things can happen. And you're setting proper expectations. All you have to do, because people that take risks, they also take risks in their business. They take risks in their relationships. And so you're not going to change them. So all you have to do, I say, when you have a client that's a very high risk um, or high risk reward kind of an individual, you you just have to set proper expectations and say, here's the pro, here's the con. How do you want me to present this? And, and you know, or, or here's like, for example, I just had a, a deal where, some of these lots were really hot lots, right? For building houses on and the developers weren't done. And the developers were like, listen, we want you guys to cash six lots before we even have the ability to pull building permits on these lots. The banks are like, uh-uh, no way. We're, we're not going to finance anything that cannot be guaranteed a building permit or that it's finished. And so we're not going to give you the money until they're at least ready for permit. The developer says, well, then we're going to go to the next builder. So then, the builder has to decide: okay, do I want to put up five hundred thousand hard money to get these five lots, you know, or whatever it is, you know, of real hard cash, meaning there's no bank, there's no loans out of their prior retirement account to own those five lots, and hope to God that, hence the risk, the the roads go in, the sewers go in, and they eventually can be uh, buildable building pads. And and but they want them so bad they're willing to take that risk. That's where you sit back and you say, hey. Here's where you're protected. Here's where you're not protected. Here's what we can do. Here's what we can't do. And and sometimes I find that even in that situation, the developer comes back to you in two weeks and says, well, here's what we're willing to do. You buy one lot and knock the other two lots or three lots down in 30, to, they'll come back to you because if you can't do it, odds are most other people can't or won't do it as well. So anyway.
0: Yeah, so just... Um preparing people with knowledge and, and and where to go and to check out things. And it's just like during inspections, it's like, you know, what look into the city, see if there's anything, um, you know, that you can find, Google the property, yeah. try to find out all you possibly can during that uh, inspection period uh, to kind of make yourself feel good. And another thing to do is to just, uh, I'm, I'm talking specifically for a buyer is just drive around that neighborhood and just hang out in that neighborhood for a while and and see if you see anything and all of a sudden you know you you've been looking at it during the daytime and you don't know at night you know that uh, the both neighbors on both sides of you are uh have seven kids and they have six cars and they park up and down the street and they race up and down the street you know you might that might not that's not that's not a disclosable item most likely but it's one of those things that it might not you might not enjoy that type of living so
1: well you, you brought up an interesting point there too chris with like investigating like that exact scenario we had how we ended up uh feeling better about the back to the city and at the city they file what they call a developer's agreement where the city says okay these are the amenities that have to be put in and until you put them in we want like a letter of credit from the local bank for you know 300 000, 5 million whatever the number is, so that if you don't do the work, we go pull that line of credit and we get the work done for you. As long as your city has that money done um, and has that money set aside and you feel confident in the municipality that they will do it. And ask them, say, hey, in the event that we buy one of these lots, if this doesn't get done, do you guys have enough money in there to finish these lots for us? Um, and, you know, hitting us with a gigantic assessment. And and so, because this did happen to me in Rogers. There was a development up on the hill behind the Vite, you know, contracting right on 94 there and um, up on the top of the hill there. And the developer went out of business before they put the top coat on the street and before they put the mailboxes in and before they put the, the parks in on the corners. So the city basically sat down and they did not have a developer's agreement in place that had any money. No kidding. This is Rogers did this. And this was back, of course, in the early 2000s. So now Rogers is sitting there with an unfinished development. They don't have the top coat on the street, they don't have the parks in, they don't have anything, and they have no money. So you know what they decided to do? They decided to go through, put the top coat on the street, put the park in that they wanted, put the mailboxes in that meet the requirements of the developer's agreement, and they assessed everybody $20. On top of paying full retail for your land. So before you enter into a high-risk situation, especially with dirt, make sure you got all the corners of the the you know covered and, and spend a little more time um there
0: anyway. yeah it's it's i mean that that's very unusual right there what happened and the cities are usually um you know unless they're trying to and that was probably a time where rogers was just starting to grow and they didn't really totally understand it
1: they so the development was called edgewater back in the day and they had all these big pools going in they had all these crazy um uh, you know, big, huge, awesome amenities that the the, the uh, city really was excited about. And I think they got so, you know, um, excited or drunk, if you will, over top of the things the developer was saying, that it never actually got to the point of where they worried about if it would ever happen or not. They just assumed it would because it was a, a big money, big piece of land um, deal. Anyway. Are you friends with her? Let me know now. Are
2: you friends with her? Are you? Are you friends with her?
0: That is funny, because you know, you do see your client and all of a sudden you see their friends with other agents. (laughs) Did you read it, Amp? Did you see it, Andy?
1: I, I I I was trying to figure out what the girls were doing. Are you friends with her? Let me know now. Are you friends with her? Are you,
2: are you friends with her?
0: Jeez, oh, oh, the the mute again. Dang it. But it is kind of it's it's funny because if you do go see them on social media and all of a sudden you see like there's 10 other realtors on there that you're kind of mutual friends with. And uh you you kind of wonder, like, well, how do they know them? Do they know them good? Or is it that typical social media where you don't know 80% of the people, you just kind of accept their friend request?
1: Right. No, I agree. I, I, I the weird part about social media.
2: Oh my god! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone?
1: What's the procedure? Stay calm! F- 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 wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. Everybody oh f-
0: f- Calm down.
1: That's actually funny.
0: <laughs> it's it's more funny than I didn't really understand what they're trying to do there. Uh, when the buyer actually listens. Uh, to you, and you get an offer accepted. That is uh, that is kind of funny because we do run into a lot of times where people need to learn the hard way first because they're not. What, what do you mean? I have to go forty thousand over, and I have to have an appraisal guarantee, and what? No inspection? I have to do all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, on this one you do have to do it, but usually they don't really buy into it right away. And if they do, sometimes it's almost funny. Well, we paid we paid too much. We could have done an inspection.
1: True. Yeah. That, uh, the office is so funny though. My gosh, my, my son, uh, Connor, when we're sitting around sometimes late in Hill, 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 Hill or whatever, and we'll start watching a few of those or whatever streaming service we have. Um, and, uh, last night they had the episode where they, they call it beach day where they all got on the bus and went to the beach and in his head, he was doing all these competitions to decide who was going to be his predecessor and take over the branch. And, Oh my God, I laughed so, it was so cruel. He, he he does the campfire where he sets up all the coals and then he said, all right, who's going to walk across these hot coals and prove that they're ready to be regional manager? And nobody would do it. And then all of a sudden, Dwight, of course, walks and is standing there burning his feet going, say I'm the manager, say I'm the manager. <laughs> and then his feet get so hot, he actually falls on the ashes. Oh my God, I, oh. And it's horrible. It's a horrible thought.
2: But I started laughing so hard. Oh. I understood the assignment. Uh-huh. I understood the assignment. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> one, one, one more time.
2: I understood the uh, assignment. I understood the assignment. So he sold. He sold the neighbor's house and then he's moving over to sell the other house right across the, the yard.
0: You know, Nick, you've, you've mentioned this to us a couple times on here and you've done it outside. And uh, I think I did exactly what you just talked about in that I had to see it again and then again. And I still didn't get it, what he actually happened there. And so I'd have to probably watch the third or a fourth time to be able to figure it out. and that And that's what this is all supposed to do. It's supposed to kind of, you know, know, okay, oh, that's unique. Oh, I get it now. But I've watched it five times, and I saw this guy hopping fences and putting up a sign, and more than likely I found out who he was at that time.
1: Yeah, uh, we've had a couple of those where we've had the the, – we talked about this last week. As long as the real estate agent is doing it in a way that's fun and entertaining and not, you know, demeaning or – or, you know, uh, taking professionalism out of our industry, I'm all for it, because I think it is. A lot of people find humor and stress, um, you know, even though it sounds funny, but they do. And and it is a big deal for somebody to sell their house. And when you see the neighbor sell, you've been friends with for, you know, 15, 20 years, and all of a sudden you're like, well, if they're moving, I'm gonna move. It's very common. I think it's. I think the statistics are, um, you're gonna see another house go on the market within 60 days um, from the time you see a neighborhood. And, and I had that happen a couple of years back over Maple Grove. We had a townhouse development where it was all retirees. I mean, almost like everybody, I'd say the average age was in their, you know, 70s and 80s. And we listed one, and then I listed two, and then I listed three, and then I listed four. We went right down the block. And as soon as all these people were like, hey, we're going to a senior apartment, or we're going over here to this new co-op, or we're going wherever. We just don't want to deal with the townhouse even anymore. And boom, boom, boom. I think I sold like a dozen of them in a row. And then now, now
2: it's all young people in there again. So, you know, yeah. Hey, Chris, go back on your point too. It's all about attention. So they got to catch that attention at the start and if they can keep it longer and longer rewatching it, that's like the goal. Just attention, 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 hold their attention. Like you said, then you probably look at his profile, find his name. That's what it's about. Right, or, or look at his next video. Yep. Is there no way we can get rid of him? Not without cause, Michael. I have cause. It is because I hate him.
0: The old low appraisal. It is so frustrating. Uh, You know, we've had, um, it hasn't happened to us much, but I'll tell you what, what happens sometimes when you don't get uh, an appraisal like that, the market has shifted in that price point and sometimes what you got to do is you just got to wait for the other ones in which to close that sold at the same time as yours and so maybe even add a clause in there that everyone agrees that if it doesn't appraise that we can extend the closing you know up to 60 days to be able to kind of get the other comps that have have sold and i think from a, a real estate and a listing agent's perspective that you really need to be able to try to talk to those other listings that did sell in that same price point and try to figure out what they went for at at a certain time, because we are all kind of need to help each other on that. And then it's like, hey, you know, did you, without telling you what it is, but knowing that, yeah, we definitely had multiple, we had eight offers It sold in three hours and, you know, we listed at 399. Okay, more than likely it's 430 to 460 somewhere in there, which would obviously help my 440 listing that just sold. Well, they close in a week. Why don't we just kind of extend past that? And uh, when you do that, that's just a a way in which to be able to get around it rather than starting all over again because market segments switch. And they do, they switch real fast. We just we weird enough, we just had an appraisal
1: that uh, listings where it was a high-end luxury acreage um and and they were having a hard time finding comps and they actually used a pending comp for a sale and with a copy of the contract which i thought was crazy because if that doesn't sell or close it's not a comp you know and and they may be having struggle or problems with their appraisals as well so what if it doesn't ever close but I, i that was an unusual one that i just saw so i think banks are making uh overlays and exemptions on some of these appraisals as well that are not traditional to accommodate, you know, the market we're in. So,
0: it's just, justific- ju- they justify it, and it's like, you know, what this guy's a seven eighty credit score. He's putting twenty percent down. I mean, we know this is good. They'll they'll use like so that appraisal which is pending, but like an acreage or a lakeshore, if it's not like, say, it's a three million dollar house on Prior Lake. You know, a lot of there's not a lot of stats on that three million, and what they'll say is that. Okay, just a lot of those haven't sold yet, so let's go over to Lake Minnetonka and we'll use some of those. That's the same with acreage. It doesn't have to be, you know, within a six-block radius of what it is. They might say, you know, here's kind of a comparable market, and, yeah, I know this is in Corcoran, but this is out in Victoria. Mm -hmm. And those two kind of match, and we'll be able to use those as comparable. So you just got to kind of think a little outside the box and really convince that appraiser that it's worth it because they're putting their name on it. And what they don't want is to come back and, and bite them in the ass is what they don't want.
1: Right. Hey guys, it's Oscar Nunes, Two Family coming soon. We're we're only allowed to do that the day before a lesson. So are they if they're real, real members of the, of real real estate agents, right? Um, it, it you're not allowed to pre market stuff. Um, it, it only during the coming soon period. But you're not like in Minnesota. We're not allowed to market to the public, I believe, unless it's like you know with no showings, unless you do the coming soon period. So there's a lot of teaser there that I.
0: They yeah. took it, they took it all away from us. You know, yeah. it used to be, you could withhold it. And now if you withhold, if you just do a withhold, you or your office can show it. You right. Know? Um, and, it, but once it's coming soon, then nobody can show it. And then it's only the day that it comes on. That's when right. you can go look at it. Right.
1: Yep. Yay. I, I, didn't, I, I, still think, I still think they're just asking for trouble. I, I'm telling you, these associations, they better clean up their act real quick or you're going to find a lot of agents that are existing professionals that aren't being ranked properly, um, you know, or, or there's no, you know, all really. That, that's going to go away, man. I'm just telling you, I'm warning them right now.
0: Well, when the market switchbacks, when the market switches back, we're going to have uh, a lot of changes again. They got away with it because it was like, well, we don't have time to mess with it right now because we just got to go, go, go. But once that kind of slows down and things start sitting around, they're going to have a nice little fight on their hands.
2: Awesome. Let's uh, get into uh, fix this canceled listing. Why didn't this home sell?
0: All right, Andrew. This is kind of in between us.
1: I think that, you know, the the Tudor um, combo color, which is very, you know, popular in the Swiss Alps um, is uh, probably hasn't set the trends in the Twin Cities as as uh, probably as much as it they wanted it to. Um, it is cute. I mean, it's a it's a cute big ski chalet, is what it looks like to me. Um, I would spend probably 15, 20,000 and redo the front of that house so that you could probably get 650 to 700. And I believe you could get it. I haven't looked at the inside photos yet, but um, a big, beautiful home like that in Maple Grove, I mean, 3,300 square feet. We should have no issue getting 560.
0: Looks like uh, 1.4 acres, and it looks like some nice trees, and so there's some privacy. You don't really get that with the snow as well. But uh, I am glad it's kind of a fresh, fresher snow, but it does kind of feel like it's way the heck out there with uh, the little path to the front door. Um, through the snow versus that looks like there's leaves still under it. Um, I think that's a little a little tough <laughs> to kind of, uh, if that's your first in the way you envision that place, I just don't think it's the greatest curb appeal. And I, I agree with Andy too. Uh, a house like that might have to do it all one solid color with all the trim pieces and everything and then maybe utilize some sort of shutters or something. I don't know. Maybe move some of those crossbars uh, in there that might help too. Yep. Agreed. Some of the summer vines are still on the house you can see. You know, I always like to get those off a of house uh, just because especially like in a winter thing, it just shows, um, you know, things that are hanging on there. It's not as clean I see all those vines. So that house is probably uh, covered with that. So I could see that happening. It's a good look inside, though. It's a great that's a great entrance. Obviously, it's different levels. Uh, What might uh, be off to someone, but uh, back to the the old uh, carpet in the foyer with pictures, it's better to have that carpet gone just to make that foyer look bigger it look richer because of that uh the black woodwork with the the wood floor would look fantastic as it does as you're going up into that other room where's your eyes going andy right away right now
1: oh um well i into the, i'm still confused by uh the- I you know there was that, that uh hotel the um on the Vegas strip that um had the car showing it. I forget the Imperial casino. This reminds me of that old casino, um, you know, where they basically painted their oak trim black and then it, it almost gives it like a, a flare of the orient or whatever you want to call it. Um and I don't know. I'm I'm still like completely intrigued by this. The
0: red, the red. It, the red yeah, draws yeah, me yeah. right away, that I'm going to be like, uh uh, what, what's going on here? So I'm starting to think it's going to get dated here. So let's keep going.
1: Well, it is. It already is. And then they got a, they're showing a picture of a huge mirror on the floor. Wow. That's great.
0: It's a nice big open room with a wooded ceiling. I mean, that's kind of, yeah, yeah. it's nice.
1: Well, I would change all this around though. I, I could do some fun stuff. Like where they have the windows are painted white there, I think that's a little more refreshing and, and accurate for the what people are looking for. And the the scrolly thing above the door, I think I would probably have that um, put away for the next generation. I don't know.
0: But I think too that that room is uh, kind of a, we don't know what to do with it room. Throw a couple hutches and a chair in there, and it's yeah, it it, not room. really usable.
1: Yep, That's the same room probably.
0: Yeah, is that interesting though? I mean, because it looks like it's a good, I mean, good condition. That looks like they've done some stuff, but I mean, it's just getting us thinking and making a uh, a decision before we even go out there. And I think that's what happens to a lot of these places: is that people make their decision online and say, "Don't no, what that doesn't look good. Forget it." And the only way they go back to it. If it's been sitting for a while and they don't have anything else and then they're finally like well yeah let's just throw it in on the showings and we'll we'll check it out I mean, it's not in bad shape again carpet carpet just likes it look smaller um because i think with that wood floor and that carpet runner that's up the stairs i think it I
1: mean, there's throwing me off, Chris. I with hotel carpeting, and then they've got paneling up there, and then they've got I can't tell what that is. Um, you know, I'm just I'm not pulling it all together. So I'm I'm more confused now than I was when we started. Um unless you want something that's really unique and really different, but I'd I'd offer 400 on this house. And then I, I literally would stick about 150 into it. I'd gut it. I'd retrim it. I'd, I'd get everything redone, I, you know, top to bottom. And in that area, you could probably get away with it, but you wouldn't be a, you wouldn't make a lot of money on it.
0: See, and I think I don't – I mean, I'm, I want to look through the whole thing, but I don't know if I would – I think it's more like how it's um, presented versus um, – because I think it looks like it's been done kind of nicely. But, yeah, it does – I don't know if it flows. I think you have to get it to flow
2: somehow. Well,
1: it's almost like they're trying to make it look like an old house when it's not. And you know what I mean with some of the. It
2: it looks very European. I like it—the the the big uh, mirror on the floor and the kind of the design and, like you said, the Swiss Alps kind of vibe. It's it's not (laughs) not for the American taste, I guess. There's your buyer, Andy, right
0: there. Uh We have to, but that there is something to say about that. If you do get a, a.
1: what do they say? There's an ass for every seat. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're sorry, <laughs> sorry, Nick.
0: <laughs> there is there's something to say though about again, you got to find out who the type of person is going to buy this, and then you got to present it to that type of person because it's not going to work for everyone. We see that right here. There's three of us, and one loves it, one's not too excited, and the other one's still trying to decide.
1: I that that room right there works for me just because it's, I love that windows, you know, and it has cool little fire, of fun.
0: I think, I the, think ghost, the ghost, uh, the ghost, the uh, ghost drapes Cheers. need to kind of go.
1: Yeah. If you're gonna have them have real ones so you can actually use them, right?
0: Yeah, and that, what a great room that would be. I, I mean, look at all the wildlife around there and you just want to be able to see that whole thing. I think I would have taken them down. Nice kitchen, really good appliances. Mm -hmm. There's red. But I I don't know, this is just a real unique uh, place. I think they've got the furniture that fits with this decor too. And I think that's sometimes a problem. In this price point i mean that, that furniture is probably pretty darn expensive and then uh, you know to buy it and then outfit it like that i think you feel like you almost have to with all the light fixtures and
2: um this is a, a work room the colors this is like known to produce better uh, you know work environment this is like yeah. it looks like an office with the monitors there,
0: there you go there's a there's a great example of that what we would have to do as agents is be able to explain that. Now, when I just see uh, this picture, I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, I gotta be able to uh, uh, get, I, I gotta change the color. But that would be like a social media thing and how we would use social media to just say, you know, hey, red, red is the way that it, it, it stimulates your brain to be able to think more and whatever. And look at this house kind of thing. I mean, because it, it typically was wouldn't be exciting to a lot of people. Um, the red. Andy, you agree with that?
1: Uh, I would, I would, yeah. no, I, I think that the, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's our job to have to explain a house. I think people walk in and they either absorb the space or they don't. And you, unfortunately, like Baskin Robbins, the 33 flavors, number one seller's vanilla, baby. And I tell you, sometimes you sell that and you say, Hey, here's a picture of the before and after this is before we painted it. It was after we painted it vanilla and it appeals to 10 times more people. Now a specialized buyer for sure that understands design and understands whatever they may love it um, to me I, I don't I haven't felt comfortable looking at any of these rooms yet except for that that screen port. Um,
0: yeah, but that's the point is that you're not you're not the buyer that they're trying to correct. trying to get the buyer they're trying to get. Is the one that would understand that that type of a, a room, and that's the one that we have to kind of go after and push our marketing to, because you're not going to pay for it four hundred. Someone else might pay six hundred. That's into it.
2: Well, I think especially with the remote working how popular that is. If you just uh, market this as you have your your beautiful special little office at home, it'd be interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, he yeah, obviously it's look right, at that. It must be an artist. Must be an artist yeah. or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely artistic if we kind of go in. But that's what that's the other part is that now we start trying to figure out what these guys are doing for a living versus looking at the house as a whole and how it flows. And I'm with Andy that I don't I have no idea. Is this another room now? Or it's the same room, it's just a huge room. And when you can't figure it out, you kind of pass on it. And I think that's what you have to do. And sometimes with these houses, adding floor plans right away. To be able to kind of give people perspective and where they're at.
2: So, what's the final uh, idea on that? It's just that it was—you have no idea what's going on. What's the final say? I—I
1: uh, would—I would suggest arson um, and insurance.
0: And I, I would suggest really diving into um, a specific type of uh, buyer and really trying to go after it from uh, that. Um, Oh, Andy, you got the force forces with you, but you have to really um, kind of push towards that type of buyer and be able to get a floor plan so I can better understand it and walk me through it better.
2: Yeah. Awesome. That was another amazing episode. I hope you guys liked the, the new theme idea. Remember, we're on Spotify, iTunes, every podcast platform. Three times a week, we post clips on our Facebook. The full video version will always be on Facebook. Leave us a review. Send us in your questions and have a wonderful day. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for
0: joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on...
2: Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget...